TheYeshiva.net. So last class, we began learning a sicha by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Purim Cotton, what we call the humble Purim, or the miniature Purim, or the small Purim. By the way, the term Purim Cotton is not just a term that we use, it's a per- term that's used already by the Rishonim, one of the greatest sages of Ashkenazic Jewry, was known as the Maharil. And in his laws of Purim, he uses this expression, Purim Cotton. The Ramah, Rabbi Moshe Isilish and Darche Moshe, uses the term Purim Cotton, also uses the term Purim Rishon, the first Purim, and other places as well, as he discusses here in footnote 8. So this is a sicha that the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, spoke about the essence, the zeitgeist, the soul of Purim Cotton, which we're going to observe and celebrate in the coming days, next week. And as I said last time, it was said on Shabbos Parshas Kisisa, Shushan Purim Cotton, the 15th day of the first Adar, in the year 1967, Tavshim Chavzayin, and then in the year 1984, Tavshim Mamdalat, compiled and published in Lekutei Sichas, volume 26, Chelek Chavav, page 209, Purim Cotton. Let me give the briefest summation, or a brief summation, of what we explored, so we could move on. It's a fascinating that the Shulchan Aruch is divided into four sections. The first one is Erechayim, which means the path of life, and it con- it includes, it's comprised of Tofresh Tzadik Zayin Simonim which means 697 sections that go through chronologically the daily life of a Jew. It begins with waking up in the morning, the laws of going to the bathroom in the morning and washing our hands and washing our face and saying the blessings, the laws of tzitzis, the laws of tefillin, the laws of kriyashma, the laws of davening, the laws of blessings over food, the daily life of the Jew all the way throughout the day, and then it goes through the calendar. So it discusses the laws of Shabbos, it discusses the laws of Rish Chodesh, the laws of Yom Tev, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, according to the year, the laws of Hanukkah. And it ends with the laws of Megillah, the laws of Purim. And the last simon, the last section deals with, particularly, Purim Katan. The laws of the 14th and 15th days of the first month. And that concludes the whole Shulchan Aruch, Erechai. Because that's the chronological order. So the last month is Adr. The last laws are about Purim, because that's the holiday of the month of Adr. And in Purim itself, first he discusses the big Purim that comes every year, and then the small Purim, the humble Purim that comes every two or three years, only when there's a leap year and you have two others. Granted. But, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, in Torah everything is precise. Even in the world, everything is precise. So the fact that the laws of Purim come at the end of Shulchan Aruch Erechayim is not just coincidental, it just fell out that way, it just happens to be that way, but there is actually purposefulness in it. That somehow the end of Erechayim, Erechayim means the path of life, is connected to Purim. The fact that this is the end of Erechayim represents that this somehow captures something fundamental in the path of life, and that's why we end it off with a bang on this theme. So the Rebbe explained, suggested, one element is, we know that concerning the 14th and 15th day of the month, 
the Shulchan Aruch brings about the fact the fact that we don't fast, we don't do eulogies, at least according to some opinions, we don't say tachnon, and the Ramah, Rabbeinu Moshe Yisrael, adds that some people say that on the 14th of Adar Rishon, you ought to have a meal, and you ought to increase in your feasting and in your joy, even though it's not the custom, but he says it's good to increase a little bit in your feast, in order to fulfill the mitzvah, in order to fulfill the view of those who are stringent, those who are machmen, and say that on Purim Katun, we do have to have somewhat of a feast. And he concludes, and these are the last words of Shulchan Aruch, Toiv Lev Mishtatamit. A good heart is always perpetually feasting. It's a verse in Mishle, Proverbs 15, 15, but those are the last words of Shulchan Aruch Arachai. So there's a very famous insight by the Chidah, Rabbeinu Chaim Yosef David Azulai. He's one of the great, great Sephardic rabbis and sages, a prolific author and commentator. He has maybe, I have his books, he has, I don't know, 50, 100 books. He was rabbi in Italy and he traveled the world. He lived in the 18th century. And he has a sefer called Birche Yosef. His name was Yosef Chidah, Chaim Yosef David. So he says a very famous comment. The Rebbe brings it in footnote 11, the sources, that the Ramah finishes and opens the Shulchan Aruch in the same way. In other words, the whole Shulchan Aruch Erechayim is bookended by two principles. And they both are connected to the word Tamid. It opens up with Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, and he ends Toiv Lev Mishta Tamid. I place God before me always. And a good heart is always feasting. And they parallel the two tmidim, the two offerings, the carbon tamit that was brought daily in the Mishkan and the Beisamikdash in the morning and in the afternoon. And they were the two bookends of the service in the Beisamikdash. You started off with the carbon tamit. You ended off with the carbon tamit. So paralleling, mirroring that, Shulchan Aruch which deals with the daily life of the Jew, also has these two bookends. It's sandwiched between the first Tamid, which the Ramah begins, Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit, which is the concept of, uh, of Yiras Hashem, the awe of God, knowing that you're in the presence of Hashem. And the last Tamid, Toiv Leiv Mishta Tamid, the injunction, the invitation to always be in a celebratory, in a... Uh, in, in a state of celebration. Ivdu es Hashem b'yira, Ivdu es Hashem b'simcha, as the Tehillim says. Serve Hashem with awe, with respect, with humility, with reverence, and serve God with joy. Those are the two bookends of the Shulchan Aruch HaRachayim. Yira Hashem and Simcha. Ivdu es Hashem, Yira Hashem and Simcha. Because as the Rebbe said, this is Tamid. The other things in HaRachayim relate to a certain part of the day. I'm not davening Shachris every morning. I'm not waking, I'm, I'm not davening Shachris every moment of the day. I'm not saying Kriyashma every moment of the day. It has its time. I'm not davening Mayrev every moment of the day. I have to wait for night. I'm not doing Shabbos every day. I'm not doing Rosh Hashanah or Pesach every day. So Erechaim goes through the day and the year, but different things at different times. But Tamid, what's Tamid? I'm always in Hashem's presence. I'm always in the presence of oneness. I'm always in the presence of infinity. As the Ramah explains at length in the beginning of Shulchan Aruch HaRachayim, person ought to be aware that Maloy Chalar that Hashem is with me, holding my hand, observing me, caring, 
concerned. And the end, that's a tamet. That throughout the day, and throughout all of the vicissitudes of the day, and the fluctuations of the day, and the year, those two bookends remain constant. Those are the two constants. Tamet shal shachar, tamet shal the beginning and the end of the day. Yiris Hashem and Simcha. According to this, the Rebbe suggested, this opens us up to the first insight. Why? The end of Erechayim concludes with the laws of Purim. Because as we know, every component in life in Avedis Hashem has a time or a holiday that, comp- that, that uh, constitutes the time when this particular energy or calling is concentrated. Rosh Hashanah gives us energy for a particular type of Avedis Hashem. Yom Kippur, Chanukah, Purim, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. The ability to be able to celebrate all year, to be able to always be in a state of feasting, to always have that attitude and cultivate a disposition of toiv leiv mishtatamid, what's the day in which that energy is concentrated, from which we derive and draw that energy? It's Purim. Purim is the happiest day of the year. I... We often say the source of Simcha whole year comes from Sukkot. <coughs> and like the Rambam intimates, after he speaks about the tremendous Simcha of Sukkot, he continues to discuss the tremendous power in Simcha of every mitzvah and in serving Hashem throughout the whole year. The Rebbe says, yeah, but there's a difference between the time of the Beis HaMikdash and Golos. The time of the Beis HaMikdash the flow of energy was much more seamless. The time of gullus, the time of concealment, the time of blockages. And as we explained at length, the energy of sukkahs is insufficient to be able to translate into simcha a whole year that has to permeate all the limbs of my body. As the fascinating example that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gives, sometimes something is in my head, and it's very clearly in my head but I don't have the mechanism, I don't have the resources, I don't have the ability to be able to to be able to internalize it, to be able to get it into my system, to be able to bring it from the brain into my heart, into my organs, into my limbs, into my entire physical organism. It remains intellectual, it remains sublime, it remains cerebral. It doesn't become visceral. It's too abstract, it's too transcendent. Yes, it's a beautiful idea, and I like the idea, and I can talk about the idea, and I can even teach about the idea, and I can lecture about the idea. But it's not here. It doesn't, it doesn't hit the spot, as they say. The physical spot. That was the metaphor. Tishrei are the holidays of the head. Rosh Hashanah, Tishrei is Rosh it's the beginning, it's the head. So in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, when, the spirit, when there were less blockages, I could receive that flow in a visceral way. In the time of Golis, where there's more blockages, Sukkot is not enough, the holidays of Tishrei are not enough. I need a flow from a day that's closer to me, 
that's more relevant, that's more mundane, and that's Purim, because Purim is a regular day of the year, it's not in Tishrei, it's a holiday that was created in exile, as a result of exile, it's a holiday that halachically you're allowed to work, and that gives the power of toiv leiv mishtatamid, that throughout the whole year, I should be able to celebrate life, to be able to be joyous in life, not just intellectually, but in a very visceral way that my entire experience of life, my body should be able to be infused with mishtatamid, with this sense of <coughs> gratitude and joy and upliftedness and happiness. And the Rebbe suggested this is the difference between the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch. The Rambam wrote about the halachas that deal with Mashiach and with the Beis HaMikdash. So he's speaking about the ideal situation in Jewish history where the power of Simcha came from Sukkot and its celebration of Simcha's Beis Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. The Shulchan Aruch focuses only on halachas that are relevant today. And today the primary source of experiencing Simcha throughout the whole year is not just Sukkot. <laughs> Sukkot is the source, but Sukkot is sometimes too sublime. It's from Purim. This explains why the end of Shulchan Aruch Erechayim, which is about Simchitz, the second Tamid, remember, there's two Tmidim, there's the two bookends, right? The two principles, the awe and the joy, the Yira and the Simcha. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid and Taiv Lev Mishta Tamid. One is in the beginning of Erechayim, one is at the end of Erechayim. So, where does that belong, Taiv Lev Mishta Tamid? As continuation of Megillah, continuation of Purim, because Purim is that day in the year in which the energy of Simcha is concentrated. You know, we talk about the central nervous system. The brain is the central, and from there, the energy flows to the whole body. So that's the concept of Tishrei, which are collective holidays that infuse all of the days of the year with their energy. But in Golis, we need also the Purim to become a source of Simcha for the whole year. So Toiv Lev Mishtatamit fits in right after the laws of Purim, and that's why that concludes Erechayim, because the book, second bookend is joy. That's where we're holding Se'iv Dalad, page 213. If you open your source sheets, page 213. If those of you are watching it later on the on yeshiva.net, you have the source sheets. 213, the first column, the third paragraph, it says Se'iv Dalad, section 4. And we now go to the next step. Because here, we are still left with a very fundamental issue. Because you remember, the end of Erechayim is not the laws of Purim, it's the laws of Purim Katan. The laws of Purim are in the previous sections. The actual end is about Purim Katan. So he says, What we explained, although valid and fascinating and inspiring, it's insufficient. It's still missing a piece. Was the Siyam Ashokhanaruch is Midalachis from Purim Katan. One of the Balas Allah and Yanim and Taitas and in Bidiuk, Kamoshan is Boyola Ale. Dafman Zagan has the Siyam from Erechayim, Hatashaikis Mirchedusism Toichenayin from Purim Katan. The above explains why the Shulchan Aruch Erechayim concludes with the theme of Purim. Since the second book end, the conclusion is about Simcha, and Purim in our times of exile is the day that becomes the spiritual source, the reservoir, the wellspring from where we draw the power of joy for the whole year. But it's still not clear why the end of Shulchan Aruch HaRechayim is not just with the laws of Purim, but particularly with the laws of Purim Katan. 
the first Purim, the small Purim, the humble Purim, and the first other. As we mentioned, everything in Torah is precise and meticulous. So from here we have to infer that the conclusion of Shulchan Aruch HaRechayim has a special connection, not just to Purim in general, but specifically to Purim Katan. And that's why the end, the summation, the culmination, the Hakal Hoylech HaRechayim, the conclusion of the whole Shulchan Aruch HaRechayim is with what? With the laws of Purim Katan. L'chura Yeshleima. As the Biyur Hanal Siv Gimel Gufa, Kita Eichanar Tzumadgir Zayin, the Shaykhis Asiyum, Tzupurim Katan, Nachmevit Tzupurim Bechlal. Varam Afalpi as Purim is Mutabasiyas Malacha, is it Abed Atagvas as Oizgetel Benibu Mitzvus, Kriyas Megillah, Mishloyach Manas Matanas Lavyonim, Ubitfila Vechuli, Velchenem and Su, Aribui from them talk. Masha'enke and Purim Katan, was is Nitva Bunden mit Mitzvahis Miyuchados, is nita kein chiyuf simcha beis veikir vikem and zogen as the nesinas koyach of mishta tamet simcha etmidus bechal shana veshana is from purim katan velchis doubleis beshana mohberes. Let me explain. Apparently, you can answer and say, on the contrary, our above explanation fits perfectly with the fact that Shulchan Aruch Harachayim concludes with the laws of purim katan because there's a difference between the two purims. The Grand Purim, the Great Purim in the Second Other, is a day, as we said, that's not in Tishrei, it's a day in Other. It's a day that was created in exile. It's a day that was created as a result of the Persian exile. It's a day that halachically you're allowed to work. It's true. But he says, the Rebbe says, but nonetheless it becomes a day that is unique. It's distinct. It's, ex- it's, disti- it's distinguished with so many unique mitzvahs. You read the Megillah on Purim. You send Shalach Manas on Purim. You give gifts to the poor on Purim. There's special components of davening and Kriya Satera that we do on Purim. There's, of course, the feasting of Purim. And this occupies a huge part of the day, right? <laughs> Sending gifts to friends and giving charity to the poor and going to Shul to hear the Megillah or read the Megillah and having the Suda of Purim and the davening of Purim. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. So even though Purim has de- elements which makes it another day, a regular day, and that brings it closer to us in Gullahs. As we said, that Sukkot could remain more aloof, more cerebral. We need something to be more visceral, to affect us on a visceral level, and that's what Purim is, because Purim is, so to speak, one of the boys, Purim is just one of the days, but the Rebbe says, but at the end of the day, Purim is not one of the days. Purim has become such a unique and different day. It's distinctive from any, distinct from any other day. But Purim Katan, ooh, that may be perfect. Because Purim Katan actually has nothing special about it. There's no special mitzvah. Nobody's running anywhere. I don't have to give Shalach Manas. It's a regular day. The only thing is, I don't say Tachno. So perhaps Purim Katan has even a closer connection to all the days of the year. So maybe Purim Katan is actually the more direct source of Simcha for the whole year. The Toiv Leiv Mishta Tamid draws more energy from Purim Katan than from Purim Gadol. Because Purim Katan, again, is closer to the mundane components of the other days of the year. 
So maybe that's why Shulchan Aruch HaRechayim ends with Purim Katan, and that becomes the introduction for Toiv Lev Mishtatamit. The Rebbe says, but that's not satisfactory for two reasons. As we said, there are two opinions in Shulchan Aruch that the Ramah brings. One opinion is that on Purim Katan you have to add in joy, you have to add in feasting. But as the Ramah says, it's not the Minhig. He says, yes, you should add a little bit in your meal in order to fulfill those views. But the fact is, he says, the custom is not to follow that view. So how could you say that Purim Katan becomes the day that constitutes the spiritual energy source for Toiv Lev Mishtetamid when on Purim Katan itself there's no obligation of Simcha, according to the second view. Furthermore, Purim Katan is not every year. Purim Katan is only on a leap year. So how could you say that the power that we get for feasting and celebrating and having joy all year comes from a day which doesn't even exist every year. Because <laughs> it's only there on a leap year. So this explanation is still unsatisfactory. Why does the Shulchan Aruch not only end with the laws of Purim, but precisely Purim Katan? That's the end of it all. That's right before Toiv Lev Mishtatamit. Hey, und der Fahrer ist der Reich von Haschala zum ganzen Eurechayim. Darf doch mehr Einser sein, wenn er geht in den Teufel mit Mischte Tomet. Weil euch Simch ist an in den Jesaidien auf Eudes Hashem. Anhebe dich von Tfilas, Keilo Birches Hashachar. Let's go one step deeper in this top, into this theme. We spoke about the fact that the Shulchan Aruch Eurechayim is sandwiched between two Tomets. The two Tmidim. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid on one bookend, Toiv Lev Mishtatamid on the second bookend. But why is it that Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid comes in the beginning of Shulchan Aruch? Toiv Lev Mishtatamid comes at the end of the whole Shulchan Aruch Erechaim. And literally at the end, it's the final words of Simon Tafresh Sadik Zayin, section 697. Why? Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid is a foundation. It's a fundamental aspect, and it's really a foundation of serving Hashem to put before me Hashem always. I understand. And that's why it's the beginning, it's the genesis, it's the root. It starts off, it's like the head of Erechayim. Got it. But what about Toiv Lev Mishtatamid? Simcha is also fundamental in Avodah Hashem. It doesn't only come at the end, it's the beginning as well. Because Simcha needs to infuse Avaidah Hashem, so it should also be in the beginning. It's not fear. One Tamid is what we start off, the Avaidah. The second Tamid only comes at the end, but one second. Simcha is not just something that comes at the end. Simcha is also a foundation in serving God, beginning with our mornings. When a person wakes up in the morning, yes, he has to have the reverence, but he has to have the Simcha. In fact, it's a foundation for davening. As he brings in footnote 36, the Gemara and the Shechon Aruch says that you get up to daven and you go into davening mitoich simcha. Not with 
not with a sense of sluggishness and being lethargic and heavy, with a sense of, of alacrity, of simcha. And when we learn, he says there, also with simcha. So the beginning of the day of Shulchan Aruch, which starts off with brachas and davening, also has to be with simcha. Not just with Yiris Hashem. So Toiv Leib Mishtatamit should also be the beginning. Why was it differentiated this way? It's very nice that there's two that's sandwiched and there's a book, two bookends. It's nice and Tamit in the morning, Tamit in the evening. But one second, it's not fair. <laughs> Simcha gets relegated and postponed all the way to the end of everything. <laughs> After you finish the whole Shulchan Aruch Erechaim. By the way, Chevre, it's good to be happy. Always. Toiv Leib Mishtatamit. Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Yisabin is all the way in the beginning. But just like Yiris Hashem is a foundation and a, and a uh, source, it's at, the, it's at the beginning, Simcha is also a foundation. You can't get to the roof if you don't first build the foundation. You don't build the roof before the foundation. Simcha is not just an extra floor that comes at the end. It's also a fundamental aspect of Avaydas Hashem. Simcha, Ivdu Hashem is Simcha. That comes at the end. Perhaps the Lubavitcher Rebbe suggests we could offer the following explanation. And here, we are now being introduced. And I have to say, I learned this uh, last week already. We are being introduced here to a consciousness. And it's going to be developed. There's a few pages here, and it gets more intricate and more deep and more profound until we will get it. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because the Rebbe would build his sikhs in a very systematic fashion. For those who don't know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, besides being many other things, was an extremely systematic thinker. He's not known for that, unfortunately, because for the first 50 years of his life, that was his primary genius. He was a systematic thinker. But his social activism was so uh, far-reaching and so visionary and so uh, incredibly inspiring, the way he inspired people, that that element got eclipsed. And it's really sad because the Rebbe was an incredibly systematic thinker. When he would talk about a topic, you learned how to develop a topic. He would build it. He would build it, sometimes very briefly and concisely. But the Rebbe's system of speaking and writing was extremely systematic, very, very systematic. Like the Alter Rebbe, like the Rambam, extremely organized, categorized, defined the way he would, when he would teach Gemara, when he would teach Rashi, when he would teach Rambam, when he would teach, whatever he would teach. So it's like building, building, building. And here also, the Sikha, you can see. Engineering. Engineering, yeah. Yeah, engineering. Yeah, yeah, he was a physicist. He was phys- he was an engineer by, by uh, he got a degree in engineering, and when he spoke, there was like an engineering component to it. So this sicha also, it builds, it builds, it builds, until you get to the, you know, to the apex, to the zenith, but, you know, hits the crescendo. We'll see. I'm just saying, there's now going to be a process that's going to be developed here in the sicha. When we talk about simcha, there's two elements. There's the joy that infuses every avayda. You know, when a person does something and they're sluggish, it's not in the same way than if you do it with joy. But that's the simcha that accompanies life. I'm preparing for a bar mitzvah, I can do it with sadness, and I can do it with joy. I'm making supper for my family, I'm cleaning the house, I'm cleaning the kitchen, 
I'm doing the laundry. I'm going to work. I'm dealing with emails. I'm dealing with bills. I'm doing homework, trying to get Shabbos together. I can do it with bitterness, with anger, with frustration. And we're all human. We have our moments. Or there can be an element of oneness and wholesomeness and joy and simcha and celebration that infuses life. And we all know the difference. Because when your adrenaline is flowing and some endorphins are released and your state of mind is in a more positive state of mind, everything is different. The food comes out better. The watering of the plants (laughs) comes out better. The plants grow nicer because they feel the joy, so they say. There's a better ambiance in the house. When I do a mitzvah, I could do a mitzvah with heaviness. I could do a mitzvah with alacrity, with with energy, with enthusiasm, with simcha. It's a very different, it's a very different level. You all know you meet somebody and you right away feel when you meet somebody, if they're looking forward to see you, you see the glow on their face. You see the light in their eyes. Right? When your children come home from school, how do you greet them? How do you welcome them? I know some of you homeschool your children. So when you come home from school, <laughs> how do you greet them? You know, there's the light in my eyes. Simch is not something I can, I mean, I can try to mimic it and fake it, but we're talking about an internal sense of serenity. Which I can't always have. Sometimes I'm feeling pressure. Sometimes my body is responding. We spoke a few weeks ago, you remember? What the Magid heard from Moshe Rabbeinu? That even the holiest of bodies is flesh, and it has its rhythm, it has its limits, it responds to certain things in a certain way. So it's important to respect that. So there's simcha as part and parcel of avayda. The simcha of toivleiv mishta tamid is at the end of shulchan aruch. That simcha, that's not connected to something else. It's the state of joy that is completely self-contained, where joy itself becomes the objective, as we shall see. The explanation is, Yeshlem means it's possible to suggest the following explanation. When we speak about awe and joy, Yiris Hashem, Simcha, we can talk about them as part of Avaidus Hashem, as part of fulfilling every section in Shulchan Aruch, every halacha. But when the Ramah is talking about these two Tamids in the beginning and at the end, he's not only referring to these two motions, these two experiences, as part of serving God, as fulfilling the Shulchan Aruch. He's talking about them as the beginning beef, the, the introduction and the epilogue. The two tmidim here are not just part of the avoideh, but one comes as an introduction before Shulchan Aruch, and one comes as a conclusion after fulfilling Shulchan Aruch. When we say after fulfilling Shulchan Aruch, well, there's no after fulfilling Shulchan Aruch, because a Jew always fulfills Shulchan Aruch. But the theme is not just a theme of simcha that's part of what I'm doing, it's simcha that comes as a conclusion, as a self-contained conclusion, as an epilogue, following the experience of Shulchan Aruch. What do we mean? 
And this will answer the question why Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Samad is in the beginning, and Tovlev Mishta Tamad is at the end, even though Simcha must become at the must come at the beginning of all of our Avaidas Hashem, including Davening in the morning. It needs to be with it should be with Simcha. And waking up is with Simcha, and saying the brachas is with Simcha. It's all about gratitude. Gratitude is generally, they say, you know, I, researchers always talk about the fact that gratitude really helps people. When I can truly be grateful and when I could meditate on the fact that I'm grateful and when I can experience the gratefulness viscerally and when I can verbalize why I'm grateful, it really helps a person. Now, sometimes I can't because I'm stuck in my, in my anxiety or I'm stuck in my unresolved wounds that don't even allow me to experience gratefulness because I'm blinded by the darkness that sits in my brain. But that itself needs awareness and clearing up and cleansing and releasing because my simcha is obstructed. So this simcha as the beginning of all avoid that infuses Avaidah But here we're talking about that which comes at the end of Shulchan Nachdem wir es schon reingetan in Kima Teirev HaMitzvahs, ist nicht nirgisch begalli die Tnuhe von Kabbalos al-Malchus, nur der Kabbalos al-Mitzvahs. Das, was er nimmt, anhebt sich zu Eisfolgen, bepeilt die Gseides mit Zivuja Melech. Und danach, beim Siyum Ogmar, oder Achere Havaide, ist das der Ringen von Teuf Leiv, Mishta Tamid. Nachdem wir es mit seinem Gewinn Havaidasse, kommt der Ringen, das Scharf von der Havaide, weil das ist die Simcha. Was Ayid hat erfunden, was er durchgeführt hat, aber das sei, und ist durch dem gewonnen, behaftet mit Neibischten, mit Simulaschen, Safsavachibur. Before Jew begins his or her service in the fulfillment of Torah and Mitzvahs, which means the fulfillment of Shulchan Aruch, says the Ramah, as a foundation, as an introduction, as a prelogue to the Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit establishing that you're in a relationship with Hashem. Chazal call it Kabbalah Smalchus Yisbarach, accepting Hashem's sovereignty, accepting Hashem's presence, Hashem's reality. And accepting Hashem's reality, we always explain, the way Chassidus explains, means accepting that we are all part of that reality. It's the reality of infinite oneness. Our sages say in Mishnah's Brachas that he quotes here, the first chapter of the second chapter of Brachas in the beginning. First, I accept Malchus Shemayim, and then I accept the yoke of mitzvahs. If there's no Malchus Shemayim, there's no yoke of mitzvahs. Imagine marriage. Marriage comes with many commitments, daily commitments. They're enumerated in the Ksuva. There's the commitments of a husband to the wife, to a wife. There's the commitments of a wife to a husband. But before getting into the details, first we have to establish a relationship. The fact that we are linking our lives together. That I will become one with you, you will become one with me. I will be dedicated to you for the remainder of my life. You will be dedicated to me. And that's critical. That's not about details. It's not about taking out the garbage or making sure you have a, you're bringing home a paycheck to support your wife and children. 
It's not just about paying a mortgage or going on a vacation. It's not just about paying for Shabbos and Yom Tov and breakfast, lunch and dinner and electric bills and uh, gas bills and heat bills, I should say, for those of us living here. That's all critical. If you say, oh, I'm married, I love you, I'm dedicated to you, what? I don't do anything, sorry. <laughs> okay, so how is the marriage expressed? It's expressed in details, in the daily mitzvah, so to speak. But it begins not with details, it begins with a relationship, it begins with a commitment, it begins with dedication. I am committed to you, you are committed to me. I am dedicated to you, you are dedicated to me. I could lean on you a thousand percent, you can lean on me a thousand percent. We can trust each other. There is a loyalty, there is a dedication. That's the key. The same is true in our relationship with Hashem. There's Kabbalah's El Malchus Shemaim, and then comes mitzvahs. If there's no relationship, then the mitzvahs are being experienced in a vacuum. They're detached, they're disconnected. It's all part of a relationship. That's why the Mishnah says we start off with the first section of Shema before the second one. Vahafta before Vahayim Shemaya. So the Mishnah says, because first you accept Malchus Shemaim, Shema Yisrael Shemalakein Hashem Echad, Vavta Shemalakecha, and then you get into the second part of Shema, which is about mitzvahs. That's what the Mishnah says in the second chapter of Rachas, Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha says. So the Shivisi Hashem Negdi Samit, that's Kabbalah's Ol Malchus Shemaim, accepting my relationship with Hashem, accepting the yoke of Hashem's Malchus, before I start the Avaidah, before I even do the first mitzvah. Before I wake up in the morning and I get involved in the service of the day. First, there's Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samet. There's a marriage, there's a connection. I am present in your life, you are fully present in my life. That's key. And it's so important about it and everything. A few weeks ago I did a Zoom with Rabbi Shimon Russell. Some of you saw it, there was I think a two or three hour Zoom about education today. And schools and homes and teens, and struggling teens, and struggling children. So there was a woman who came up, who came on the, the program, it was with Coach Menachem, the Lakewood, they have Sunday night, a, a very interesting Zoom about life, Coach Menachem, and Rabbi Asher Parnas, and Shimon Russell was, Rabbi Shimon Russell was on, and I was on. So there was a woman who came on, she's a teacher in a school, in one of the, in one of the communities in the United States, I don't remember if she said she was, I forgot which, which city she was in. I don't know why I'm thinking Atlanta. I don't remember one of the cities, and she's a teacher. And she said something that was so beautiful to hear. She said, before I begin teaching my class, I first establish a deep relationship with them. Trust, I'm here for you. Connection, I understand you. And she says, only then can I teach, because without that the most fundamental element is missing, the relationship, the connection. And she says the same is true with Judaism. Before I teach about anything, I first address the fabric of the relationship. She teaches Navi. She says, before we start teaching Navi, we spend a long time talking about what is God? This God that we believe in, what is it? What, what exactly are we believing? Who is this God? What is this God? What is Torah all about? What does he want? Because... Very often we get into the details and we know all the details, but you don't even know what God is and what's the point of God and what is Judaism and why does he give us all these obligations? It's like being throwing into the obligations of marriage without meeting the person, <laughs> without building a deep connection 
an authentic appreciation and relationship. So the Rebbe says, before everything, there's shiv- yes, there's the Yiris Hashem that comes with the mitzvahs, but here we're talking about the Shivis Hashem that is summoned before. He says it's something that one ought to experience in a revealed way, and then he says, at least one should experience it. I guess addressing the reality doesn't always happen. Before I start with Torah mitzvahs, afterwards, once I'm involved in the actual Avoidah, you're not focused so much on the relationship itself. You're focused on the mitzvah. The mitzvah that I accepted upon myself in order to execute and implement the commandments of the king. And that's his example of the king. There's acceptance of the king, this coronation of the king. Now it's about the relationship. And then tomorrow we start with implementation. So take again in a marriage. When I'm at work, I have to do my work. I'm not focusing on the relationship itself. Yes, the relationship is infusing it, but ultimately I'm involved in doing what I have to do. The same is true with Yiddishkeit. When I'm involved in the mitzvah, whatever that mitzvah is, I'm now involved in the mitzvah, Kabbalah's all mitzvahs. So that doesn't capture so much the Kabbalah's all malchus that's the foundation, that's the introduction before. That's the first tamet. Then there's the second tamet. When the Jew finishes Avaida, you have toiv leiv mishta tamet. What is this? The joy. We're not talking here about the joy that needs to accompany every mitzvah. We're talking here about the joy as a self-contained reality. Just like the first Tamid is the Kabbalah's al-Malchus that precedes the mitzvahs. It's establishing the connection itself. It's establishing the fact that I want to be in a relationship with you. It's establishing the fact of who I am and who you are and the fact that we're one. That's what it means to accept the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. And this is so important because if I go into the mitzvahs without it, I don't even know what a mitzvah is. So I need the Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim. You know, people misunderstand Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim. It means accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Some people don't like those, you know, they, they get triggered by these words because they don't understand what it means. Accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. It's like too much. I thought we're living in a democracy. <laughs> But the truth is, Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim are extraordinary words because what does it mean? I'm not accepting the yoke of anybody. I'm accepting the yoke of Mal Chashamayim. I'm accepting the yoke, the responsibilities given to me by the one who conceived me in love, who created me, who loves me, who wants to see my success, and who offers a blueprint for me to be able to maximize my life and live the best life physically, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So the same is true with the second Tamid, the Toiv Leiv Mishta Tamid. This is not just the Simcha that accompanies every Avaida. It's that when a Jew finishes Avaida, just like there's the Tamid before the Avaida, there's the Tamid after the Avaida. There's the joy of the relationship itself. The relationships of the fact that we are connected. Just celebrate and enjoy the intimate relationship without any strings attached. That's almost like an element of schar. It's like the reward that comes afterwards. And again, afterwards here doesn't mean in time, because it's not like a Jew finishes Shulchan Aruch, puts away the Shulchan Aruch and says, okay, now I'm going to sit down on the couch and just enjoy the relationship. It's a constant process of Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit as an intro, as a prologue. There's the Avoid itself, the Shulchan Aruch, and then there's the... Simcha from the relationship itself. 
that always comes after the Avaidah. It's the joy that the Jew has from the fact that I implemented the work, that I fulfilled the work, and I became connected with you. The word mitzvah, as we know, in Hebrew, doesn't only mean commandment. Mitzvah means what? Connection. The word mitzvah in Hebrew is from the word tzafsa. Tzafsa v'chibor, a link, a connection. Why is this simcha at the end of Shulchan Aruch? He says, Und simcha Although the simcha is always there, but in, in the most revealed and visceral way, it comes at the conclusion of our Echad. comes at the conclusion of my work. Why? When a Jew is involved in Avaidas Hashem, when I'm actually doing the work, even though it always ought to be done with joy, every mitzvah and every Allah and all of Jewish life is about Simcha. But when I'm in busy, when I'm occupied with the Avaidah, Joy is not the thing that can just fully saturate my whole existence because I'm involved in the work. And during that moment, there's also the feeling and the experience of Kabbalah soil, of awe, of reverence, of dedication, of commitment, of accepting my role as a servant of Hashem, even though that's also infused with joy. But I can't say that the joy saturates and fills the entire space of my consciousness, my brain and my body, because I'm in the middle of the job, so to speak. And to get the job done, I have to focus on the job. And there is the element of commitment and seriousness and attentiveness to be able to do it right. In completing it, now it's all about simcha. It's just the celebration of the relationship itself that comes out in the most revealed way and permeates the entire space of a person. And we have it again in the month of Tishrei, which is the collective month of the year, the general month of the Jewish calendar. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, called Yomim Noirayim. Days of awe, days of reverence. The Avoida then is defined in Tehillim, Vigilu Bir'ada. Celebrate with Ra'ada, with dread. What does that mean? Celebrate with dread. It means... Even though there is gila, there is joy, there is simcha, and a tremendous joy from the fact that I could coronate Hashem as my king. In other words, that the king in me is infinite divinity. I'm never a victim. True. But the simcha is enclosed and filtered through the feeling of yira, of awe. There's an intensity. On sukkahs, 
especially Shemini Atzeres, especially Simchas Torah, now the joy comes bursting out. <laughs> the water is not contained in the pipe anymore. It comes bursting out. Rosh Hashanah is also Simcha. Yom Kippur is also Simcha. But the Simcha is embedded and it's filtered and it's contained in an experience of awe, of intensity. Because the Avoid of Rosh Hashanah is very serious. You're coronating Hashem as your king. Yom Kippur is introspection and tshuva. But Sukkot is about joy. And Shemini Atzeres Simchas Torah is pure joy. So the joy is always there. But the full expression of it, to celebrate the relationship itself, that comes at the end of Erechayim. At the end of every Avodah, at the end of it, at the conclusion of it, now it's just about the joy. There's nothing else outside the joy. Now it's just celebrating the relationship itself. Again, I'm going to give an example in relationships and marriage. Usually in every relationship, as we said, there's the beginning. Establishing the commitment, the dedication. And then there's day-to-day work, but then there's a time, you know, especially when you finish something, where you could just experience the joy of being in a relationship. And people need to take time for that, to celebrate your intimacy. And it comes especially after you worked through something. <clears throat> you know, somebody told me that they went to the, the their father, made they had a, a 70th birthday party for their father. And uh, the father was there and the mother was there and all the kinderlachs, the children were there and the grandchildren were there, whoever could make it. And this person told me that, you know, that her, it was a, her father spoke. And he said something very insightful. He said, you know, when you're raising children, it's hard work. You know, you got to make ends meet and you got to run a house and you're running your business and you're trying to balance everything and you're trying to be there for your kids. So even though there's simcha and there's joy, but it's defined by the work. The simcha infuses the work, but it's all about work. (laughs) Running a house is work and raising children is a lot of work. (laughs) And making a living is work and being normal takes work for some of us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for some of us, right? Anybody agrees? Being normal take work? If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, God bless you. Okay, I see one person agrees. Uh, uh, you gave up, Rabban. I like that. I like that. You got to know what to fight for, and you got to know what not to fight for. You say being normal is not worth, it's not worth the effort. <laughs> so, it, it all takes work. Is there simcha? Yes. There's simcha, there's simcha in, 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 in doing the right thing. There's joy, there's satisfaction. In building something that's meaningful every day, there's satisfaction. In putting your child to bed and reading a story, and even if it doesn't always come easy, and there's attitudes and there's frustration, but there's simcha in the knowledge of the conviction that I am doing the right thing. I am building the life that I'm supposed to build and I'm becoming the person I'm supposed to become and I'm fulfilling God's will and God's purpose. But it's not all about simcha because it can't be. I can't just start dancing or even just feeling the joy because there's so much to do. But he says, he says, now he's 70. You know, the nest is empty. The kids are out of the house. They come back with the grandchildren. And he said, suddenly, I see everything that my wife and I accomplished over all these decades. You know, suddenly you see the result. And what do you do? 
There's nothing to do. He doesn't have to do the laundry for all these kids. He doesn't have to make money for all these kids. They're independent. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> also a miracle. But now it's just simcha. It's just celebrating the relationship. One way of describing this maybe would be, you know, a husband and a wife who raise a child and it takes many, many years and then they finally bring this child to the chuppah and they marry off their son or their daughter and they're very content about the relationship, about the shidduch. And of course they prepare for the wedding and they pay for the wedding, which is also not always easy. And then the wedding is over and the husband and the wife come home and they look at each other. That gaze, what does that gaze include? It's not a gaze like, okay, let me take out the garbage, let's make dinner. It's almost like, wow. How fortunate we have we are to be able to have done this together and to be able to have each other. There's an amazing story about the Balshemtiv with the Friday night dancing. I think I'm gonna to have to say it next time because it's a long story, but it really brings out this point. That's the simcha at the end. A whole time there's simcha, but that's not the tamid. The toiv leiv mish, the tamid is at the end of Erecham. Because when I'm in the middle of the work, I gotta be in the middle of the work. Should there be simcha there? Yeah, but the simcha is embedded, it's filtered, it's condensed, it's sometimes hidden and eclipsed by responsibility. And responsibility in Yiddishkeit is Kabbalah, Almal Hashemayim, and Yiris Hashem that are the critical components to be able to be focused to be responsible, to be disciplined, to be authentic, to have the right boundaries, to do what I have to do, and to stay away from what I'm not supposed to do. Mitzvah's essay, mitzvah's loisus. But then there is just experiencing the relationship in its full, undiluted, unmitigated, unfiltered ecstasy. The simch itself. Just that we're connected. The relationship itself. Do you know how to celebrate that? And that couple, after everything they put into this child, they raised him or her. And God knows how much energy and investment mentally, psychologically, financially, spiritually, this child needed. And then they entrust this child to his or her second half and do it with simcha. And then they come home after the wedding. It's not, it's not that... um, we could now just, you know, relax and go to sleep. Okay, hopefully. But there's something much more. Now you have that opportunity to finally let it all come out. And sometimes they'll just start crying from joy. They'll start crying. Why are they crying? They're not crying because they're sad. They're crying because so much was pent up. In a good way I'm talking about. And so much was invested in this ongoing hike of life, this journey that is sometimes tedious and sometimes very, very demanding and exerting and sometimes excruciating and sometimes fun, like a hike. You go up and you go down and you climb rocks and you slip and you fail and you go to a beautiful view and then you continue climbing and then there's when it's over. You know, you finish the marathon. <laughs> you finished. You finished. You came first place. You came second place. You came 25th place. You came 96th place. But you came your place. It was your place. And you sit down, and now the simcha can all come out. Now it's the relationship itself. What are you celebrating? You're not celebrating a detail. We're celebrating, I have you. You have me. We're one. This is the end. 
This is the second Tamid. This is the Toiv Lev, the Toiv Lev Mishta Tamid. Okay, we're going to stop here. And uh, I know we've not finished the discussion. And Be'ezer Hashem, on Monday, we're going to continue and finish, uh, I hope, we'll be able to finish the Sicha just in time for Purim Katan. So you'll have a very deep appreciation of Purim Katan, I think, in a way that we have not had before. And I guess I'll see you back here on Monday morning, wishing you all a lot of joy, sending love and blessings and joy. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid and Toivlev Mishta Tamid. Can I say something? Yes, yes. I think that um, also that we should, like, a lot of the messaging is to wait till the 70th birthday or till we married off that child. And, you know, there's a Shiva Hopper song. We grew up with the wedding's over, everyone is gone, our youngest child. Like, now we're celebrating the joy. But I think what we're getting from here is that it comes every few years, or no, Purim Katan is not every year, but it's every two, three years. So, we could celebrate these moments more um, more often, our successes. It doesn't have to be Indeed. at the big, huge moments. Indeed. Very well said, yes. Thank you. Chevre, have a beautiful, inspiring, uplifted, focused, and yes, joyous day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.